Hello and thanks for joining us. You're listening to episode 8 of the Citation Podcast with me, Jill McAteer, Head of Employment Law at Citation. In this episode, I'll be joined by my colleague and professional support lawyer, Emma McGrath, and we will be discussing the topic of compulsory vaccination in care. When these regulations were announced, the government gave care businesses a 16-week period of grace to get ready for the enforcement on the 11th of November. During that time, we have seen a significant number of developments with the publication of operational guidance on the 4th of August and the subsequent launch of firstly a temporary self-certification of medical exemption and then a full permanent medical exemption scheme. In the podcast, Emma and I will be looking at issues care businesses are currently facing and also considering how businesses outside of the care sector may be impacted by the new rules. Hi Emma, thanks for joining me. Of course, this isn't the first time we've sat down to record this podcast. I think it's version four because there's been so much change over the last few weeks in terms of uh, the announcement of various exemption schemes. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's indicative of the kind of problems and and issues that care employees are having to face at the moment. And indeed, uh, employees' expectations from them as well. It's been a very, very uh, difficult and challenging time and in fact continues to be so as we'll be discussing in the podcast. So to start off with Emma, can you give an overview of the obligations the new regulations impose on care businesses? Yes, so in terms of employees, care businesses need to ensure from the 11th of November that employees are either fully vaccinated, so that means um, two doses of the um, the COVID vaccine, or that they are medically exempt. There is currently an exemption for employees who are under 18, although that is currently under review. In fact, the regulations actually apply to uh, a much wider group than the just employees. Um, so it is for people coming onto the into the care home. Um, There are exemptions in in various circumstances. So, for example, if somebody is providing um, emergency assistance uh, or if somebody is a a friend or relative of the the resident and is visiting them. Right from the outset, one of the thorniest issues about implementing the new rules was the question of medical exemption. Since care businesses had to satisfy themselves that their employees were either fully vaccinated or medically exempt, it was always going to be vital to understand who would be eligible for medical exemption and very importantly, what evidence employers could accept as proof that they were medically exempt. Unfortunately, at the time the operational guidance that accompanies the regulations was published on the 4th of August, there was no detail of what a medical exemption would look like. And all we were simply told was that a new permanent scheme which set out very clearly what conditions um, this would apply to, how employees could apply for exemption and importantly what the evidence the employer could accept uh, would all be made clear. This was not forthcoming and then on the 15th of September which was the eve of the last day uh, care home workers could have um, their first vaccination injection if they were going to meet the 11th of November deadline and we suddenly got the announcement of a temporary self-certification of medical exemption scheme and under this 
all employees in the in the care home sector could sign an exemption to say that they were um, medically exempt. And this was going to last for 12 weeks from the launch of the permanent scheme. On the 1st of October, the government launched the permanent medical exemption process. Under this process, the employee would be required to telephone NHS COVID Pass service on 119 and ask for an NHS COVID Pass medical exemptions application form. During the call, they would be asked to provide details of their name, their date of birth, their NHS number, the name of their GP, and would be asked some questions to identify whether or not they could be eligible for a medical exemption. If they were eligible to apply, they then receive an application form by post, which they should complete and return to their GP. And uh, according to government guidance, they should receive the results of the application for medical exemption by post within two to three weeks of applying. The guidance also made it clear that the clinical decision on the medical exemption application was final and there would be no right of appeal against this decision. Given the launch of the permanent scheme, this also means that the time limit on the uh, self-certification of medical exemption has started to run. And in fact, those self-certified exemption forms can only be accepted as evidence up until the 24th of December. After the 24th of December, the employee must produce evidence of uh, medical exemption under the permanent scheme or else show that they've been fully vaccinated in order to be able uh, to access the care home premises. So Emma, what sort of difficulties have you found clients experiencing in terms of medical exemption? Yes, I mean, I think in certainly in terms of um, the medical exemption process, we have seen a lot of um, employees who are producing either their own declaration or their own form, uh, or indeed we've seen um, a standard sort of union form which is is setting out that they are medically exempt. So we are guiding our clients through um, a process where they are coming back to the employees and saying, no, you do need to follow the proper formal process which has been set out in the operational guidance. And it is a very clear process which is in there. Indeed, we are seeing some employees who are actually raising grievances on this point as well. Yes, I think it can be very difficult for care businesses because very often the grievances are raising matters of uh, human rights and constitutional law. Whereas as far as um, employers are concerned, they have got very, very clear obligations under the regulations together with clear operational guidance on how to implement and uh, adhere to those obligations. So really, that must be uh, the, the process they follow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the reality is that as a care home, they've got to abide by the legislation. Have there been any other issues which have been cropping up quite regularly in terms of the implementation of these rules? Yes, I've, another issue is in terms of employees who've been vaccinated abroad. Um, and that wasn't actually then showing in terms of their NHS COVID pass, for example. The government has now confirmed that they are able to use the temporary self-certification um, form. So they can actually use that beyond the deadline of the 24th of December. They can sign that and confirm that they have been vaccinated abroad. And that will continue to allow the care home to allow them into the premises. Another issue we've seen quite frequently is situations where employers have got uh, pregnant employees who are not uh, 
reluctant to take the vaccination uh, under normal circumstances but simply do not want to be vaccinated while they're pregnant and it was a great concern um, for many employers about how to treat those situations. Fortunately the government has now confirmed that there are also going to be available time-limited exemptions and to meet situations where the individual is not medically exempt on a permanent basis but for a shorter period of time. So this will cover situations where the individual is not medically exempt on a permanent basis but is suffering from some sort of uh, illness or condition or taking some medication for example which would mean that they shouldn't be uh, vaccinated at that particular time. The government has confirmed that actually pregnant employees, whilst not um, medically exempt, and indeed the government is encouraging um, uh, pregnant uh, individuals to be vaccinated, but in a recognition of the fact that it is very much the individual's choice in this area, uh, pregnant individuals can choose to take up this medical uh, exemption on a, on a time-limited basis. And if they choose to do so, that exemption will expire 16 weeks after the birth of the baby. Indeed, for uh, pregnant individuals, they don't actually have to go through the formal medical exemption process. They can, as an alternative, produce their MATB1 form as evidence of medical exemption. And if they choose to go down that route, equally, that exemption status will lapse 16 weeks after the birth of the baby. In terms of proving medical exemption, an individual can use the same process as a uh, individuals would use to show that they were they were double vaccinated so that is either through the nhs covid pass section of the nhs app they can use the covid pass via the nhs website or actually the government is now working on a, a paper version as well so actually to have a, a covid pass letter which would show that the individual was medically exempt yes and what's interesting about uh, the nhs covid pass is that this will appear the same for someone who is fully vaccinated as someone who is medically exempt. So if care businesses were simply to accept the uh, COVID pass app, then they wouldn't be able to tell whether someone was fully vaccinated or uh, medically exempt. Unfortunately, this doesn't really uh, meet their needs because the operational guidance made it clear that they were under an obligation to carry out risk assessments for unvaccinated staff in order to see whether or not there needed to be any uh, alternative or additional control measures put in place to manage the risk of transmission. And that is why the advice to care businesses is that they should ask to see the confirmation letter individuals receive, which tells them that their application for medical exemption has been successful. Join us after the break and we'll be looking at employment law considerations where individuals who are not medically exempt have not been able to establish their vaccination status by the 11th of November. And we'll also be taking a look at the implications of the regulations beyond care home settings. Welcome back. 
Well, Emma, unfortunately, many care businesses have been put in the very, very difficult position of having to consider dismissing employees as a result of these regulations. Yes, absolutely. We've had clients in in very difficult situations, uh, including having to dismiss very long serving members of staff. It's been very, very difficult for them. Um, the, 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 the introduction of the regulations is a fair reason for dismissal in that if the care home continues to employ the the employee after the 11th of November it is going to be in breach of the regulations if they aren't double vaccinated or medically exempt so it, it will be a, a fair reason for dismissal we've been guiding our clients through a, a fair process so it is important that they've consulted with the employees that they've given them a chance to to consider their position and, and, and to change their mind and then to invite them into a formal meeting or hearing where they've actually been discussing the issue one final time uh, with the employee understanding that the outcome of this meeting could be that they are dismissed. And should employers consider whether there are any alternative uh, roles that could be undertaken in the business which didn't require the employee to actually step onto the care home premises? Yes, certainly. So the, the regulations simply require that relevant people coming onto the premises are vaccinated or medically exempt and that that obviously includes employees however if there are other other jobs that the employee can do in the business that doesn't require them to cross the uh, the care home doorstep then yes absolutely they can they can do that the fairness of these dismissals like any other dismissal will boil down to three factors Firstly, is there a potentially fair reason for the dismissal? And of course, in this case, there would be because it will be uh, meeting a legal requirement. Uh, Secondly, whether a fair process has been followed. And uh, Emma, as you've been explaining, this will be about making sure that the individual has been given warning of it and, uh, and the consequences of not complying with this, has been invited to a formal meeting, uh, given notice of what this meeting is about, given the right to be accompanied, there are representations considered and taken on board, and also being given a right of appeal. But then there is a third consideration, which is perhaps sometimes trickier to evaluate and that is that the dismissal is reasonable in all the circumstances and the merits of the case. And this is perhaps where some of the the trickiest situations um, are arising, where individuals are happy to be vaccinated, but perhaps have left it very late in the day and are now saying that they can't be vaccinated for several weeks after the deadline. Is it going to be reasonable to dismiss them or is it going to be reasonable to give them that opportunity to be vaccinated past the deadline and how to treat the time when they're still employed, but they can't come onto the care home premises? Emma, have you seen many cases like that? Yes, they've certainly come up. Um, So I think certainly because our clients have been consulting with the employees and explaining the the process, etc. There have been employees who have actually changed their mind, who were originally not going to be vaccinated, but then have decided to be. The original date was 16th of September for the, the first vaccine. And if employees have then started their vaccine process after this date, they are going to be there for beyond the 11th of November for completing the the two vaccines. In these circumstances, it is very likely to be reasonable for the care home employer to wait for them to be to be double vaccinated rather than trying to take any kind of dismissal route. 
In terms of the their work after the 11th of November, the employee isn't allowed to be onto, coming onto the premises unless they are double vaccinated because we're presuming obviously they're not going to be medically exempt. And in this case, the employer should be leaving them on unpaid leave effectively while they wait for their second vaccine. Yes, I suppose the issue that will crop up is how long is it reasonable for employers to give uh, these individuals in order to be fully vaccinated. Um, and that will depend on all the circumstances of each individual case um, and also the uh, resources available to that individual employer as well. So I think when looking at those situations, uh, a care business would be advised to seek uh, employment advice on how to deal with those situations on a case-by-case basis. Yes, absolutely. And there will be a number of factors to look at. I think perhaps as well, though, one one significant factor at the moment is the recruitment crisis in care. So it may well be within their interest to actually wait for the employee, especially if they know that they're a very dedicated member of staff. Absolutely. Another situation where this might apply is where employees are coming back from maternity leave and are not fully vaccinated. Uh, in the operational guidance, it was really flagged and from the outset to uh, care businesses that they really needed to reach out to people who are on long-term sickness absence or on maternity leave to make them aware of these obligations so it didn't delay their return to work. But what would your advice be to employers who perhaps weren't successful in getting that message across and now have employees who want to come back from maternity leave or indeed long-term sickness absence who are unable to meet uh, the criteria? Yes, I mean, again, it's going to be a similar situation. So it's looking at all the circumstances and whether it's appropriate and, and reasonable to wait for that person to become double vaccinated. Some care businesses may well take the view that the choice not to be vaccinated is the individual's choice and therefore if they do have to be dismissed and are unable to work out their notice period, uh, why should they actually have to pay them in lieu of notice? Um, Is that something that you have come across? I think we have seen certainly some clients with that that viewpoint. Not everybody, because, of course, these carers have gone into this job not knowing about this requirement generally. Um, So it's, you know, it's something that is is a new thing for them. But yes, no, we we have come across that. However, the operational guidance does make it clear that notice must be paid. So it could either be paid in lieu from this time, given that the employee isn't going to be allowed to come into the care home, or it could be given as as a time payment so in other words you give them their five weeks notice they remain employed they would continue to accrue holiday during that time but otherwise yes they would remain employed but actually not be able to come into work. A lot of focus has obviously been on care home businesses but of course the implications of the regulations go much wider than that It applies to anyone who enters uh, care home premises in England if they don't fall into one of the exemption categories. And of course, this will also cover um, other uh, businesses where part of their role means going into care homes. For example, um, people who provide plumbing services or electrical services. One of the exemptions uh, is in the situation where 
an emergency repair is needed. So, for example, if a boiler broke down in a care home in the middle of winter and residents were at risk, no, it wouldn't matter whether the individual who was coming in to um, attend to that emergency repair was vaccinated. The care home manager would just need to make a note of the fact that on that occasion there was an emergency situation and therefore they were allowed to attend. But any routine maintenance... Uh, would certainly uh, require the care home business to apply exactly the same rules. And I think from speaking to many, many care homes and, and, and care home associations, one of their concerns are the fact that perhaps the implications of this for the contractors they work with haven't been appreciated. Um, so what would your advice be, Emma, to uh, those businesses who work regularly with the care sector um, who actually haven't considered this at this point? Yes, so it's important to identify who within the business is going into care homes and then to have a clear policy in place for those employees. The employee would need to make sure that they had checked the employee's vaccination status in the same way as a, as a care home would. So it's, it's looking at the NHS app, etc. But then it's also important to flag to those employees that when they get to the care home, the operator of the care home would also need to check their vaccination status the first time that they enter the premises. If they find that employees aren't double vaccinated or medically exempt, then it will be a case of carefully assessing what should be done. So if, for example, an employer is dealing with care homes, but also with non-care home environments, then it may be a case of trying to shuffle work so that their vaccinated employees are visiting the care homes and their unvaccinated employees are going to the non-care home settings. If the business is all operating within care homes, then again, they may be forced into a situation where they're looking at potential dismissals if there is no alternative work. We're coming to the end of today's episode. Thanks for joining today, Emma. Thanks, Jill. It'll be interesting to see what developments uh, occur in this area, particularly as we get towards the, the 24th of December deadline. Yes, it certainly will. And perhaps it may be a topic we need to revisit in a future podcast episode. Thank you to our listeners for joining us. If you're in need of the backing of citations experts on any of the topics discussed today, please get in touch with us at podcast at citation.co.uk. If you're a citation client, please feel free to give our advice line a call. Alternatively, you can access our useful resources and guides on our website at www.citation.co.uk. Thank you. Goodbye.